We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Vishesh Rajaram, Managing Partner of Special Invest. Vishesh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ramana. Pleasure to be here. All right. Well, let's get acquainted. Tell us a bit about your background as well as about your fund. So we're um, we're we're a seed stage fund investing in um, in enterprise software and industrial hardware. Uh, the fund's been in existence for the last four years. Uh, our first fund, the $10 million fund with a 2017 vintage, and we're now in the middle of raising our second fund. First one, we made about 12 investments to date. We've got a couple of good exits along the way. We possibly are about 75% through. Um, we're going to begin investing from our second fund early next year. The kind of okay. companies we typically work sort of fall under software and hardware buckets. And you know, over the course of this conversation, I'd be happy to talk more about that. Personally, in my yes, own background, I've, I've been in yeah. the venture business now for the last 15 years, um, prior to which I was an entrepreneur and at my early career in financial services. So um, talk a little bit about one stage and two geography. What, what do you mean by stage? What, so let's say an enterprise software, what are you looking for before you're willing to write a check? Excellent question. Uh, we operate uh, in a round of financing of a half a million dollars or less, which by definition is sort of pre-seed or seed, which essentially means you're talking of companies which have vintage of less than a few hundred days old. Um, these are founders who've got an idea, who've got an insight, and we're essentially looking for you know, founders having a founder market fit with the sort of product they want to build, and they desire to build a company or build a product out of deep insights that is re that is reasonably unique. So, by definition, we're mostly pre we're pre-revenue, we're pre-profits, and in most cases, we're pre-product. Okay. And what about geography? Geography, we're largely, we're an Indian domicile fund, so we do, we, 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 we have a, two, a little over two-thirds of our money sitting in India, and we make cross-border investments as well from time to time. So we're open to investing in the U.S. and in India. We have active investments in both geographies. And when you invest in the U.S., I presume you are looking for companies that are going after the U.S. market but with an Indian back-end? Uh, that's absolutely right. Yeah, Okay. Now, um, you said you, from your large fund, you've made 12 investments and you've had a couple of exits. Actually, that would be a very good uh, segue into where I'm going to go next, but let's actually talk about the two exits you had already. Talk about what they were doing, at what stage, and what, with what did they come to you that propelled you to write the checks. And uh, what was the nature of the exit? Sure. Um, so first one was a, was a gaming company. We invested in a company primarily because we were quite excited about the team and their insights to build a gaming engine ground up and fairly strong laser cryptography. And they were essentially building an online poker, poker platform. We invested in this company back in uh, 2018. Uh, in a couple of years, I think the business scaled a little over seven to seven to ten x. Um, this was an M&A offer by another large gaming company that wanted to buy in into the sector, buy in into the you know gaming base, and sort of acquire the company. So it, and that was an it's not, it's not natural for us to see. 
it's not very natural for us to see an exit that early, but I think it was it was the best thing to do to align with a strategic partner to sort of enhance distribution and market penetration, and that's the reason we sort of played along with the founder's decision to go sell the company. Was it an American company that bought the? It was an Indian company that bought. It was actually in a local M&A. I see, it was local M&A, okay. And um, what is the second one? What sector and what kind of? Well, the second one, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to name too much of it because the acquirer is a list company, but this is a company in, uh, that was developing uh, tools to enable developing 3D AR and VR content for um, uh, yeah, for e-commerce, and we got acquired by a large, uh, large retail and commerce group. Also in India? Uh, no, this is, a, yeah, also in India, but part of a global group. So... What is your fund's investment thesis? Are you looking for unicorns, or are you trying to proactively go after these kinds of early exit opportunities? And I'll tell you where I'm coming from. In our conversations with investors, we see uh, two distinct categories. One is the traditional venture capital world that is sticking to the traditional venture capital philosophy of going chasing unicorns, going out to billion-dollar-plus market opportunities and, you know, looking to go the full length. And then there are small funds. There are a lot of small funds now. In the last five years, there are probably 1,000-plus small funds that have come about, seed funds, and they have, you know, various different positioning, pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-series A, small series A, all kinds of different uh, segmentation that has gone on. Um, there, there, is, there is a category of investors that are categorically going after small exits, small but quick exits. So you put in money and, and within two, three years, you basically exit with a smaller exit, but it's, it's, a, it's a good multiple anyway. Uh, what, what is your fund's investment thesis? So uh, I think the fund, fund investment thesis is clearly long only. We're essentially getting to companies to sort of build value over, you know, four to six, seven-year time frame. Uh, the couple of them that we've got in are early, they're, um, they're half opportunistic, and we've sort of played along with what the founders wanted to do in these companies. Um, uh, so I think by and large, in, you know, in a portfolio of 18, 20 companies, you're going to have a mixed bag. You'll have a few that you get out early. You'll have a few that you'll lose, and you'll have a few that sort of build along the way. And I think we're, we're no different in how we're thinking about constructing okay. our portfolio. Got it. Can you talk a bit about... Um, your analysis of exits in India, both local um, acquirers as well as international acquirers, and in two separate, uh, you know, segments, perhaps. Yeah, I think uh, I'll have to break that down into a couple of sectors. I think we'll talk about commerce and consumption in one, and, and you know, generally enterprise and technology in the other. I think uh, companies that sort of fall in the commerce and consumption bucket clearly have had an early run. They you know, you had companies building uh, building products in that vertical about 10 to 12 years ago, and hence we've, we've seen a variety of acquisitions, both local and international. We've also seen that international are generally more enriching than local acquisitions, but we've seen a fair amount of activity on, 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 on both those sides. We now have you know, double-digit unicorns in the country, and they've all sort of also been reasonably inorganic in the later part of their growth. Um, as far as companies on the enterprise tech, um, 
the local acquisition opportunity is is less in numbers than it is for consumption, and that's largely because a lot of the potential acquired, acquirers or, or players with synergies are largely in, in U.S. and possibly in Europe. So in those categories, you, you're not seeing as many exits as you have in consumption. That's largely because you've got lesser companies, and there's a there's a little bit of a, a lag in when these companies started and at what point of time they're they're becoming mature and growing. And I think you'll begin to see some of them. Some of them are happening now. And there, I think we'll see a lot more overseas acquisitions than, than just local M&A. And what about companies that are uniquely Indian? Um, there is the you know enterprise software that is facing the global market. There's the e-commerce and uh, you know the payments and that whole generally commerce digital uh, commerce world of Paytm and so on uh, that's India facing. Um, what about category categories or you know styles of companies that are uniquely Indian? Are, is that on your radar? Are you observing those? Well, if they are on the enterprise side, it possibly will be in our radar, but our read of the market is that the Indian enterprise market is still a little early. And, you know, you know, you break down enterprises, large enterprises, SMB and mid-markets. I think the SMB market and their ability to pay is, is still very early in the Indian market. So I mean, so we're seeing a few companies yes, going after them and sort of going after modern trade or Kirana stores and building technology stacks for them, but the monetization and so mannerisms to make money is still very early. slow. Uh, the main issue with this is like the buying cycle is so slow and, and it requires such high tax that it's not profitable to sell to that category. Yeah. Yeah, the ACVs are also low. The propensity to pay is low. The value creation out of tech and yeah. uh, order of magnitude low than what it possibly is in Western markets. But it's, it's early days and I think uh, in a few years from now we'll think very differently about it. So what about um, what is your analysis of fintech, for instance, or you know healthcare, which are you know, kind of big open problems for India, right? There's such little service available in general. Yeah, I think they're both very different in their own ways. I mean, fintech, fintech. I mean, there's a large unbanked population in the country that everybody talks about, and and everybody talks about how you know going digital and using digital wallets and using digital mechanisms to borrow, lend, and invest money. And, I, uh, and, and there are a few companies that have come out and built very large base of customers and large value. Uh, the one thing to remember, however, is that FinTech is a, is a thin margin business, and you, and you generally have to build scale and stickiness, and that's what's very key to sort of surviving in the long run. Um, where I think we've seen, we've seen companies be very successful are the ones where they're essentially building payment platforms that, um, that support uh, businesses to have recurring transactions where essentially you're able to get into a company and have repeat income or, 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 or you know, SaaS-like revenues coming out of it. It's a lot more harder to make that kind of money um, on, on just retail and, you know, and payments because they're the CAC and the LTVs don't often, uh, don't often sustain in the short to medium run. Uh, Talking about healthcare, I think there's a lot of action that we're going to see out there. It's still very, very early days as far as India yeah. is concerned. Um, I mean, the, the whole digital EHR or you know EMR infrastructure is almost non-existent at this point of time. And then I'm sure a few a few companies are already sort of looking to build those stacks. 
and uh, and, and there's just uh, there's just a lot of scope for digitization and benefiting of that data science and the intelligence coming out of that kind of data for better healthcare. Yeah. We're, um, we're not even scratching the surface as far as that is concerned. Of course, FinTech is yeah. a little ahead. You've, you've got a few companies that have gotten in the game early and building up. I think healthcare is still pretty much an open game to play. Yeah. Um, from the audience, Sridhar Raj is saying, congrats on the Scapic exit. That is a great start. Is it not that Shromana know? Would you like to speak about that? Well, I, sorry, I, I didn't get the second part of what it was. Uh, you have an audience question who's congratulating you on a scapic exit and asking for more con discussion on that topic. Yeah, that was our second exit. Uh, as it is in the news, uh, Flipkart acquired the company, and we're very happy for them in their future. So um, I was actually going to go somewhere else with, uh, with my question about one of your portfolio companies. Pick one that is an enterprise software company that you feel strongly about, that you think is going to be a, you know, full-scale uh, venture-style, you know, company, and uh, talk Wing, about Wingman. Dennis. Sorry. This is a company called Wingman. Wingman. Okay. Wingman. Yeah. Go ahead and talk about that. When did you find them? How did you find them? Or how did they find you? And what did you see in them in the beginning? Where are they now? What are they doing? And, and what is their trajectory? Sure. Uh, so, you know, Wingman is a company that uh, was founded by three entrepreneurs, uh, one who sort of been part of an acquisition that got acquired by Google, spent time at Google, uh, Amazon, another founder with sort of Amazon Uber, and the third founder sort of worked in an, uh, in an IP venture fund and worked at Goldman Sachs, and, and two out of three of them were were in the U.S. and they moved back into India to sort of set up a company, ground up, and um, they had a they had reasonable expertise in 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 building AI models from just the backgrounds of the large companies that they work. And you know, one of the sweet spots they picked up was was the convergence of uh, voice and AI. And they've gone out to build a sales intelligence product that listens into conversations between sales and customers and and helps uh, helps increase uh, uh, sales efficiency which in other words essentially helps you prioritize sales pipeline based on intelligence coming out of customer conversations and, and helps you do more sales. Um, it's, and, uh, it's sort of similar to a couple of other companies called Gong and Chorus, uh, both Israeli-U.S. companies that are done fairly well. And, and Wingman then went to Y Combinator, and they're now out, and they're going fairly well. And uh, is the... The conversation listening happening in a way that it's attached to a telephone line, or how is the conversation being recorded and processed? Good question. I think uh, this is a company that's sort of tar targeting uh, a segment called Inside Sales, which is largely SaaS companies selling products to other companies. So they're essentially salespeople using dialers or using Zoom or using other form of conferencing tools uh, to talk to customers. And does that mean that you're integrating with those tools? Absolutely. So this is one of the uh, areas that we are very bullish about is, um, you know, there are a lot of platforms out there right now, SaaS platforms, that are kind of deeply entrenched into enterprise workflow and have lots of enterprise customers. Um, this, the one that you were talking about is, 
you know, going after customers that already have, are deeply entrenched in Zoom, for example, maybe they're entrenched in Ring Central, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of technologies that are already entrenched. And um, to what extent is a company like this that you are working with leveraging that deep penetration of another platform? So, you know, how close is the partnership with Zoom, for example? How close is the partnership with Ring Central? Is there one? So, uh, so a lot of these companies essentially build on top of distribution of some of these in terms of integrations and, and operate on top of their marketplaces. Uh, companies like Zoom and a bunch of other dialer companies are now fairly standardized. In, in a few cases, you have API access that allows you to sort of, uh, yeah. you know, pick in and leverage the, the pipeline of data that's already been provided. Are you seeing benefits of marketplaces? Oh, absolutely. In almost all, uh, most of our SaaS companies, we see big benefits of you know being on top of marketplaces that have a distribution base that have API plugins that allow you to sort of integrate and expand fairly quickly. And which marketplaces are the are yielding the most effectively in this case? Well, I think it's very case specific. Right, we have another company called TrueLock that's a conversational AI company that's that's in the wellness industry. So they're they're on the MindBody marketplace, for example, and MindBody, uh, as you may know, is a, is a large uh, software product company that's in the wellness space and hence already has market access and a customer base that's looking for, for other apps to integrate and benefit off. And we've got another one. The one in, that uh, you were talking uh, about, which, which marketplace is that getting the maximum benefit from? Well, they're not necessarily in a marketplace. They're integrating into a bunch of different uh, uh, CRMs and, uh, and dialers. You don't have to so be in the not marketplace getting, getting marketplace effects yet? Not yet. So that's, that's kind of what I was, um, you know, pointing to is that the, the platforms kind of need to go more aggressively towards these uh, marketplaces. They're not quite there yet. There are, there are more APIs to integrate than marketplaces at the moment. There are a lot of APIs, and plus there are these individual API companies like MuleSoft and SnapLogic and so on, uh, Postman, uh, which you can integrate through. But what is lacking actually is fully thought through marketplaces. I mean, Salesforce's app exchange built a lot of companies and their pipelines. Uh, that's, that effect is still fairly there are some, like Atlassian, I think, is, is a very nice uh, marketplace. If you have companies that can, you know, ride on top of that marketplace, that would be a good one where you can actually get marketplace impact in the distribution. But, uh, but Shopify has it, but not, that, not as many yet. That's, that's kind of where I was going, and I was just checking to see if you are seeing something different than what I was seeing. Okay. Is there any other company in your portfolio or any other trends in your work that you would like to discuss before we go to entrepreneur pitches? Well, I think we've done a host of things on the hardware side. We have a company in the robotics space called Seinler. Um, essentially, are building vision and, and brain intelligence on top of robotic arms to, to behave more like human hands. And that's an ex exciting space. We've seen a few companies in the U.S. sort of building very similar tech, and we're quite excited about the future for them. What do you do when you get a company like that? Um, because in the early stages, those kinds of companies take time to build their products. Um, so when do you come mm -hmm. in? With what, what are you looking for before you're willing to come in? 
Yeah, the first thing you do is you pick up uh, is you pick up the phone and you call potential customers in your network and you try and ask them if they need a solution like this. And uh, specific to this company, it's in the industrial automation space. So you essentially want to know if there is a need and an ROI for someone in that vertical, in that category, to even be building such a product, right? And then what you then try and do is find a few early customers that you want to evangelize, start talking about what they're looking for in the product, and, and then you build your initial customer profile and start building prototypes that, that solve the problem. And then you pick up and run because, I mean, you can't go and build solutions unless you know what customers really want. So you're not expecting that to happen before you come in? Well, that's part of our due diligence to sort of go validate the market need and some of that. We're not, we clearly don't expect companies to have products assigned customers before we come in, right? For, like I said, a seed fund, so we come in very early. Uh, but well, the whole idea is that part of our due diligence is to validate the need for the tech. doesn't mean that uh, a lot of people, a lot of seed funds want to see revenue already. There's a very large number of seed funds who already want to see revenues, which is why we ask this question, what is your definition of seed? And, yeah, uh, I think and we, uh, when, I mean, revenue is a bonus, but uh, we're, we're looking for smart entrepreneurs with insights to be building uh, products that are, that are not easy to build. Good. Very good. All right, well, let's uh, switch to some entrepreneur pitches. Lovely. Thank, thank you so much for having me around. Uh, I'll try and stay on and, and listen in, but great to be sure. here otherwise. 